0: Get ready to tune in to stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the one and only show that brings you real life advice on how to be a better man. My guest today is the one and only John Seidel. John is a writer, author, and digital media consultant. I'm super excited to get chatting with him. But before we get started, as a man who desires to live up to your full potential, you need a tribe, a tribe that will challenge you and help you grow. If you haven't joined the Brotherhood of Fatherhood Facebook group yet, be sure to hop on Facebook and search the Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Join the most valuable group online where you can get practical and tactical advice to be the father, husband, and leader you are designed to be. Welcome to the show, John.
0: Hey, I'm so glad to be here. I have been speaking of that. You know, you know how they say. Uh, you know, I was a I was a client of theirs before they were a client of mine. I, like I was a member. I've been a member of the the Brotherhood of Fatherhood Facebook group for. I mean, since it's
1: very early. Yeah, very early. yeah. So yeah.
0: I, I I definitely endorse people going to that and um and joining.
1: Yeah, it's funny, men men in facebook groups it's kind of a it's it's an interesting it's an interesting uh, psychological study you know there's there's yep. the guys that just watch everything it's crazy the I'll lurkers be, yeah well i'll be like hey that guy never interacts or whatever and i'll get a message from him. oh this podcast episode i blah 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 and then when this conversation i'm like i've never seen you do anything in the group mm. but people are getting a ton out of it yeah and and so i'm totally cool with lurkers i'm like yeah whatever there's 30 3500 guys in the group and you know, there's about 250 that interact all the time. Yeah. But the, I, I have to believe that way more guys are getting more out of it than are it, interacting. I mean,
0: even myself, I feel like I go through seasons. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. Know? <clears> yeah. It's like, all right, I'm, for I'm, sure. I'm more active just in general on Facebook. And, and then sometimes we're, um, you know, I'm not.
1: Right. Right. So, yeah. And I think it's appropriate. I mean, I'll, I'll do Facebook fast for sure. I'm like, oh, my gosh, Amen. I got to get out of this.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll go through times where I take, like, social media off my phone for a little bit. My wife's like, you know, my wife's like, hello, <laughs> where are you, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, you know, before I know it, there's a- literally sometimes hours have gone by. And I'm like, what am I doing?
1: Yeah, you know, well, I, I want to go down this road because <laughs> it's, it's about living a life of intentionality, right? Like, Absolutely. Like, we can get so lost. I installed a game. On my phone, I don't do games at all. Mm. And I installed a game that I used to play like twelve years ago. Could have been that long. I'm old man. And um, I installed it just for the air flight, the airplane ride, because I wasn't sure what the video situation sure. was going to be on my last trip to um, to Costa Rica. So I was like, I'm just going to have a little entertainment. And I, I'm playing it. I'm having a blast, right? And Then I find myself playing it in the hotel while Kim's getting ready. And then I find my, I found myself playing it at home. And I was like, three days back from vacation, and I man, I just. Don't feel right. Something's off. Mm. I don't feel like I'm getting work done, and I'm like, wow. Like every little break, I'm like, and then it's like I'm a zombie, and yep. I, I lost all control. And I'm, I'm like, okay, gone. Yep, yep. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I've,
0: I've, I've definitely noticed that. I, I've tried to change from playing games or search, searching social media to listening to audiobooks. Yeah. And I've it, here's what's interesting. I've tried that a couple times. I've tried to get into to audiobooks, and I just for whatever reason I could, this time it took, really, you know? And so I was just actually talking with my wife last night. I was showing her, because she's like, man, you're listening to a lot of audiobooks. I'm like, yeah. In the last two months, I listened to 10 audiobooks. I'm like... That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But now, the other thing, we can get into this later. Actually, I want to get into this later, especially as it relates to anxiety, but is, um, I'm in a season where, where I gave up drinking. And I have been absolutely floored at how much more time I have on my hands.
1: From giving up
0: drinking. From giving up drinking. And and what I mean by that is whereas in the past I would maybe come home, put the kids to bed, have dinner, you know, I'd be like, okay, uh, I'm going to kick back and have a few drinks, right? And what I've been able to do is now fill that time with much more productive things because I'm not as interested in my own relaxation, I've had to teach myself new new relaxation texni- techniques. And one of them is, is listening to audiobooks. Just the other night, I mean, it was beautiful here in Texas. Uh, it was about 75 degrees at, at like 8 o'clock. Yeah, and unicorn day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in the middle of summer. Right. You know? And so I took the dog on a walk around the neighborhood like twice and listened to an audiobook. And I'm like... You know what, if, if I were still drinking at this time, I, I would be, uh, you know, and I'm not even talking about getting drunk, like even just drinking, just, you know, whatever. Um, I'd be in the house, you know, doing that. So yep. we can get into that later, but uh, that, th- there's the teaser. There's,
1: there is a lot of conversation <clears throat> to happen around that because I go through those cycles as well. Yeah. And I, I have some things to say, but I'll just wait. Um, so like, I've been looking forward to this interview for a while. And uh, I'm, I first actually met you digitally because you were, you were doing some editing on a story my wife and I were writing. Mm-hmm. That was the first introduction I had to you uh, through your father-in-law and, yeah. and mother-in-law, Brian and Edie, who have been huge in our lives. And, um, and we went through this writing thing, and I don't know. I just, like, I like this guy. <laughs> like, he's just he's, I mean, my wife and I are kind of trying to lay it all out on the line. We write these things about our, our marriage story. Mm-hmm. And you're sitting there sending feedback and things. And, I
0: hope and, I didn't. I'm try to remember it. I didn't tear it apart too much. No.
1: It, well, that's the thing. That's got to be a really hard thing to do because you, you've got these people putting emotional stuff on paper. And then you're like, hey, you know, change this and do this. Yeah. And I never felt like, you know... I, as men, we kind of get something like, oh, you, you don't know anything, you know, right, it's right, the way right, it right. is, but I never felt that way. I, I remember Kim and I talking about it, like, this guy's really talented, he really knows what he's doing, and um, so that was my first introduction to you, and then... I think uh, that was about two years ago. Yeah, maybe two, two and a half. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, anyway, that was, this <laughs> today... Today, oddly enough, this is the first time we met in person. We live like 30 minutes away. I know,
0: right? <laughs> and yeah, so we, 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 you know, we were joking. Like We get here, we, we, we geek out. We, you know Scott and I are both, I, I think you could call us tech heads, if you will. Like We love our little equipment, especially when we start getting into the podcast and digital oh, media world. Yeah. It's like a rabbit hole. Um, and so we're, we like combined our equipment and, and, and doing um, cool stuff. And we're like, yeah, this is the first time that we've actually seen each other right. to do a live video podcast.
1: Yeah, which is cool. It's my first video live video podcast, and it's something I've wanted to do for so long. So I'm I'm super pumped, and it's really cool to have another techie nerd guy to like be like, oh, I got this cord, and I have these yeah. cameras, and I'm like, sweet, yeah, yeah. I was kind of feeling bad, so I underpacked because I was like, oh, I don't want people to know how big of a nerd I am, and I'm glad I'm glad you uh, and,
0: and I like have my two Pelican cases. I'm <laughs> like, here, let me grab it out of this <laughs> one.
1: Yeah, it was awesome. So man, let's just let's just dive right in. I want to hear about you, uh, your upbringing, your your life. Uh, mm-hmm. Your life as it was.
0: Yeah. Um, So I grew up in Wisconsin. I'm a Midwest corn-fed boy. Um, A badger. A badger. I grew up in Wisconsin. My family makes fun of me because they say since I moved to Texas that I don't sound normal. You and don't, don't like, sound Wisconsin,
1: and I'm like, no, I, so,
0: I, guys, I love you. I sound normal. I just realize how abnormal I sounded growing up, right? Uh, but there's still times like my wife makes one. She says whenever I'm on the phone with my, especially the females in my family, my mom or my sister, that I'll, I'll get off the phone. She like, she'll, she, she won't even know like that. I've talked to. Them, she's like. You just talked to your mom, didn't you? You know, and I'm like, yeah, I did in Seoul. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I grew up in Wisconsin. I was, my parents divorced when I was about three. Mm. And, but through that process, and, you know, this is a central theme of the book of just how God redeems um, the tragedies and the suck in our life. <laughs> and so, that God used that to bring my family to himself. And so, my mom met my stepdad she started she, you know through that process she was obviously really heartbroken uh, my dad had cheated on my mom and so um she started going to this new church and met this guy um who later became my stepdad and um <clears throat> and he's the one that really was instrumental in our you know our finding the lord if you will or lord finding us and so um but you know i don't like uh listen there's a lot of crap in my life right that i've that i've worked through i've never really had to work through the divorce in the sense that like i was so young yeah like i think i've maybe one memory of my dad being around but like you know my older siblings still have issues that they're working through as a result of that but you know by the grace of god i haven't you know and and what's been actually kind of sweet is i've i've been able to have probably the closest relationship with my dad um because of that, in, in a sense. So, again, God just kind of redeeming some of the suck. Um, so I'm one of five children. So there was four of us with my mom and her in, in my dad, and then when my mom got remarried, she had um, my younger brother. And so uh grew up, um, grew up in an interesting, I would say with an interesting denominational background, was very... Um, prosperity gospel um and and so that uh even just later in life messed me up a little bit yeah uh (laughs) it it, and it's some of what i work through um in the book that we're going to be talking about and um and so just like a very like name it claim it you know if you have enough faith you can have anything you want kind of deal including health and you know um and if you don't have that then there's something wrong in your life, whether it's sin, whether it's, you know, whatever, you name it, you know? So that's that's the kind of environment I grew up in, you know, and I don't say that like um, my mom and I have a, a great relationship. So, you know, that's, it's not like, a, I mean, she knows that we have our differences, but I also would say she's grown <laughs> in that area. Um, and, and, and just my struggles and my family's struggles has helped with that. Um but then you know there there's just there's kind of a lot of uh storylines if you will, <laughs> in the soap opera um <clears throat> my sister um who was just so I have two sisters, an older sister and then a younger sister, not younger than me, but just the younger of the sisters and she um really got heavy into drugs at a very young age i mean we're talking we're talking like thirteen type stuff and you know we sent her away to like a a christian a christian rehab like type place for a year um but but life life was actually pretty hellish growing up because of that and again my, my parents did the best they could but um uh my my sister just made it out i mean she had behavioral issues that would make behavioral itch- issues have behavioral issues you know um so uh, like, li- you know, life was, re- li- life wasn't, um, I mean, li- life isn't peachy for anyone, but it was just, it was very chaotic. It was very hectic in, in growing up. I mean, there's times I would just, I would literally, you know, go to the top of our farmhouse. I'd sneak up on the window and just like cry, you know, cause my sister is just, I mean, to the point where I'm like, I've, is she demon possessed? Mm-hmm. I mean, I- I'm, I'm serious. Like, like like sc- like over the th- smallest things like my stepdad would like take her phone privileges away and like this was before cell phones so like right. would just take her landline privileges away and and she would go absolutely insane um so so <laughs> you know there's the foreshadowing of like mental health issues are very rampant in the family um so that's so you know that's kind of the longer shorter version um i went off to college And, um, uh, I got away and I I wasn't necessarily planning on getting away. Like I wasn't like running away from the, like I'm actually a kind of a a homebody. I love Wisconsin. If, if we didn't have six months of winter, I'd love to be living there, but I just can't do that. I'd rather have like two months down here in Texas where it's really hot than the six months of winter. So, um, so I was planning on going to a, to a school in Milwaukee, uh, Marquette University, which a lot of people know about, um. And, uh, but ended up at a, uh, evangelical Christian school in New York city called the King's college. Mm. At that time it was in the empire state building. And, uh, so I I went off, I went off to school in New York city. Um, that was a, it was a great experience to, and, and I I contribute a lot of who I am today to those years. Um, I think it was healthy for me to be away. Um, and, uh, met my wife there. And, um, fast forward, you know, I graduated, she was a year behind me. Um, we got married and I waited for her to finish out. And, and in that time she had transferred out, she was in Denver. So we lived in Denver for a year and then came back to New York city. And, um, that's kind of where I started my, my work life and, and being in digital media.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Man, I, I, there's so many things like having read your book, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's so many things I'm like. There are so many things we can touch on. One of the things you mentioned earlier was um, was prosperity. You know, kind of the prosperity gospel, and and this is something I've kind of like been watching for f- a few years. Yeah. having been in some some um, business areas where that was like a big thing, and mm-hmm. and kind of like peeking in, and then <clears throat> you know through through my own personal growth and watching. Uh, it's it's a pretty dangerous type of, in my opinion, pretty mm-hmm. dangerous type of mindset. But wha- the thing that hit me really hard was the story about you and uh, your stepdad in the car when you found out, like, one of your favorite football players yeah. had passed away.
0: Yeah. So this was, I think it was about my senior year in high school. <clears throat> and, um, I mean, I can still see the intersection. And I, it's uh, we're on Calumet Avenue. There's a BP station. <laughs> There's our 76 <laughs> station on the right. Um, uh, and we're listening to the radio's kind of i think it was around christmas time and over the radio and, and you know if you watch this um on uh youtube or wherever you'll see that there's like a packers football we're, we're actually doing this at my house so there's a packers football in the back there and um <clears throat> i'm a huge packers fan and, and so <laughs> over the radio comes hey we're we're so sorry to, to let you all know this but reggie white has died suddenly in his sleep and you know reggie white was like I mean, he was the man, not only, I mean, I think he's still like second all time in, in sacks, yeah. uh, like total sacks. Um, and, and, you know, he hasn't been playing football since like 99, maybe. And, um, and so I, I was like, oh my gosh, Reggie White died. Like, and this dude was like, not only was like he a great football player, he was a good dude in the sense of. He served the Lord, man. They called him the minister of defense, you know. Um, he pastored, at that time, he was pastoring a church in, I think, North Carolina. When he was living in Green Bay, he he was an act, not only was an active member of his church, but he, they would give him the pulpit. He would preach um, on some Sundays. And, and so, like, not necessarily in, like, I'm not saying he's a good guy. Like, he's done all these good things so he shouldn't die. Because right. that's actually the prosperity gospel. But um, he, he like it's just not the p- type of person you expect to just die in their sleep. And and that's what we made what my stepdad said so jarring next, which was he looked at me and he said, "Man, Reggie White must have had unrepentant sin." I'm like, "What?" It's like, "Yeah, you know, the Bible promises us 70 years and so, you know, he was I don't know, 40 something maybe. And um He's like, yeah, the Bible promises 70 years. So, so he died. Like, he obviously had unrepentant sin or something was going on in his life. And I'm like, I'm like, no. I'm like, that's what are you talking about? And so we got into this like big argument in the car. Like, we start yelling at each other. He's telling me, like, I'm biblically illiterate. I just need to read the Bible. And I'm like, this is stupid. Like, what do you, like, come on. Like like God's just waiting to like strike me down i 'm like you know i 'm in high school i 'm like so i you know what because i I lusted yesterday at at you know this woman like what what is i i don't think I've repented of that right. you know in fact i pretty- pretty much enjoyed that <laughs> let, let me just be honest with you you know um so god's like gonna, gonna strike me down so that that kind of that was like my first that, that that kind of set me off, and so, like I said, that was right before I went into college, and so when I talk about college being my formative years in a good way is that I'm, it kind of set me on this path of discovery Mm -hmm. of like, what, what does the Bible really say? You know, especially as it relates to tragedy, especially as it relates to, um, suffering and, and, you know, (laughs) like, like, do we cause our own death? You know, like, so, so that, that was, yeah, that's the story that really kind of set me down that
1: road. Yeah. So, I mean, you have a quite a few stories in this book and, and, um, actually, you know, let's just, let, let me just ask this question because I went into this book thinking like, Hey, uh, it's about, it's, you know, it's about rest. Sure. Right. It's about anxiety, OCD, struggling with some things that are, you know, can be pretty destructive or pretty, not destructive, but offsetting in the path of your life. And yeah. Well, I mean, I,
0: I'd, I'd say that can be destructive. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, you know, my mother, um, her family, just a lot of uh, a, a lot of mental um, illness in the family, mm-hmm. and and man, I thought like, oh, this book's for other people, and and uh, by the end of it, or by probably by first chapter, I was like, huh, wow, this might hit a little harder than I, <laughs> I ever. Wow. I remember getting that message. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, so okay. Um, I, I remember looking at my wife and going, ah boy, this is a book I think everybody needs to read. So when you were writing this, like, what was your, who's your audience?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. And so before I, like, fully answer it, let me just say, like, like, and I know you don't mean this, but I want to make sure everyone realizes, like, I'm not saying, in writing this book, I'm not like, you know, this is not like some Freudian type thing where I'm like, everyone has everyone right. has a mental health disease, <laughs> you just don't realize it yet. No, but 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 to answer your question about who the audience is, it's like, but I think there are a lot of people who, even if you don't struggle, you need to understand it better um, for either the people in your life that may struggle or for a time when you will, right? I mean, it's not, like, it's not like you either have this or you don't, right? In the sense that, like, some you know, I mean, let's just look at COVID, right? I, I, I can't tell you how many messages I've gotten of people who are like, I've never struggled with anxiety or depression or any mental health thing before you know 2020 yeah and now i'm like i i will not leave my house right and and i got that from a pastor by the way yeah you know so um so who is this for so generally i would say your 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 main audience is the people who do struggle right who um have who who understand that something is not right you know, um, regarding anxiety, OCD, or depression. Um, and so that would be the first one. Or, or who may suspect, like, something, I don't know, something's a little off. And then it's also for loved ones of those who struggle. And, in fact, um, there's a specific chapter for those people you know how how you can help others you know how you can help those that you love who are struggling and man there's a fly going around here guys i'm just telling you like it's
1: annoying isn't it i'm like i just want to like Rrr. yeah so if you see me leash out and, yeah right, and right? Do the like, little, like, i'm gonna yeah, catch it that's ch- the chopstick thing right yeah exactly um <laughs> so it's also
0: for <laughs> the, and it's my house right I'm, it's like it's like my fault um <laughs> So, and so then it would be like, it would be it, it, the, the, uh, the loved ones of those. And then thirdly, just, you know, the church in general, I think is, is, is kind of the biggest, the bigger audience, because when I say the church in general, I just mean like, like people of faith, right? And, um, who, cause I just.
1: Hey guys, this is Scott. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, but I did want to interrupt for just a second because I am super passionate about a new tool that I've found and been using for the last month or so. And if you're like me, the thought of writing copy puts me into cold sweats, but we all know that writing blogs, social media posts, web copy, ads, and more are part of life and can make a considerable impact on moving the needle to success in your business or job. We all know how difficult it can be to wrangle ideas, action words, and details, not to mention time constraints. Fear not. I have found a solution that will allow you to easily crank out stunning copy in minutes. It's Jarvis, guys. It's probably hit your social media feed and you think it's too good to be true, but it is not. Jarvis is the latest artificial intelligence technology that will help you create content at lightning speed with little effort on your part or hefty fees for writers. You fill in two easy steps and it'll lay out descriptive paragraphs, both short and long form articles, bullet lists, social media posts, blog posts, ad copy, SEO copy, Google ad copy. It gets super detailed. There are tons of templates to choose from. It's totally up to you. It's two steps and it blows me away every time I use it. In fact, it just keeps getting better and better. So if you're like me, the thought and thought it was too good to be true, trust me, this product kicks ass. I literally use it every single day for personal and professional use. Just go try it for free and use my link. uh, And it's in the show notes. I'm not gonna read it to you because it's crazy. But go into the show notes, click on the link, sign up for your free trial. You will never look back. And this is a great way to support this podcast. Super simple for you, for your business. Send it to your boss. Send it to your friends. It will revolutionize workflow. The link is in the podcast notes. And if you want to support the Brotherhood of Fatherhood, this is a great way.
0: Jesus, help me. The church has not dealt with this well. And I don't say that from like, "Ah, I hate the church, you know, like, screw you. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to deconstruct my faith over this. No, like, like the church has really missed an opportunity here to help people, um, who are struggling in a real practical way. And so, um, I think everyone of faith can read this and say, oh, okay, this is what we can do better, uh, to come around those who, who are struggling.
1: Well, I, I, I was reading it through these eyes of you know, obviously I have, my faith is, I'm a Christian, I have Mm -hmm. a very strong belief, but I was like, how would a non-Christian approach this book? But there's so much, I mean, your stories, Mm -hmm. for starters, your stories are going to relate to a lot of people. There's a lot of loss, a lot of tragedy, a lot of personal stuff you work through, family stuff you work through. Something I really appreciate is the fact that you were very open and honest and, you know, it's it's vulnerable for your family yeah. to be put talked about in a book, yeah. but one thing that um that i I really appreciate is when people don't shy away from talking about where chi- where churches in general have kind of mm-hmm. missed the mark mm-hmm. because it's it's incredibly important to talk about the things that we've missed the mark on.
0: Yeah, you can't grow, you can't get better, um, if you don't understand what you're doing wrong, and so you know, um, I think that is partly partly what. Um, the church has has missed on right is 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 that like I said I'm not approaching this from where I'm gonna bash you guys over the head I mean I'm willing to say that there are some people like man I didn't even know right like I didn't even realize like you like what you wrote helped me realize just that this is a bigger problem you know and so I I, I don't I'm not out here pretending that every pastor in every town that hasn't done this well has had like some malicious intent right. Um, um, and, and so, so, so hear that, especially maybe you are one of those type of people that's hearing this is like, this isn't, you know, there are a lot of books, especially recently that just want to just like tear down, you know, everything in the church is wrong or you've done this wrong or you've missed on this issue. And so this is like, let me just rub it in your face and drag you through the mud. That's, that's not what this is at all. Um, there's definitely room for saying like, yeah, maybe you just didn't realize exactly. You know, maybe you didn't realize that Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, has had depression. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, I didn't know that before I started really getting into this. I'm like, you know, you hear Charles Spurgeon's n- name thrown around. You're like, dude, the guy was, like, really depressed. Like, really depressed. Him and his wife wrote about it, you know? So, um, so it's things like that that I'm hoping people realize.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think... Just listening to your story and knowing kind of how the way your family viewed things, that kind of that the, the mm-hmm. church that they were in, and the fact that behind closed doors things were falling apart. I mean, people were having major issues. You talked about your sister already, mm-hmm. um, and you went through some some serious tragedies in your. I don't I don't actually know the years, but I mean, when like when's the first time you realize like wow, like these things I'm thinking or feeling are a little out of the norm
0: yeah that's a good question there was definitely a there was a singular moment that that where the light bulb turned like went off like that proverbial moment but i would say that even growing up i realized there was always something a little different um i just couldn't put my finger on it or i didn't know i i hadn't named it right so there's even a book a chapter in the book called call it by its name. Right. And the importance of naming what's going on in you. And, um, I, I I didn't know what was different about me. And so, you know, I just realized I always had a harder time getting over things. Um, and so I just called that. I'm just more sensitive, you know? Um, I realized that I couldn't, there's things I, I wanted to stop thinking about, but I couldn't stop thinking about. um, and so, you know, there's this line that I say in the book is like, you know, especially growing up in a Christian home, like you're told like, like live your life at school and everything. where like, everyone's going to want to like, like be like you and like see Jesus through you. <laughs> and it's like, I'm secretly there. Like, I don't know why anyone would want, would want what I have, you know, right. because my life is kind of hellish. If things like if things aren't going perfectly, like I'm a wreck mm. inside Um and and so like re- really, truly, I do not know how I got through high school and college, especially college, like in New York City, right yeah. like the capital of chaos. Um, and so, I mean, I, I attribute that to obviously the um, the grace of the Lord. But um, I, I re- so so that's I, I just kind of knew there was something different about me and it just gr- gradually got worse and worse and worse um and then there was this moment with my wife um a few years into our marriage we had just moved to dallas and uh well actually we we're about three years living in, in, in dallas and um <laughs> i mean it's so stupid but like we we went to go for a walk and we went down we were living in a loft at the time and i said hey uh you get us coffee i'm gonna run to the bathroom there's a little coffee shop in the bottom." And uh, I said, "Hey, just remember, I don't like I don't like Splenda." And, and she's like, "Yeah, yeah, I got it, I got it." Like I, I just hate Splenda. I think it tastes like dirty sock water. I think it makes <laughs> everything it touches, um, tastes like dirty sock water or just like chalky and just like fake. I don't know. And so I'm like, "Make sure they put sweet and low in it." Yeah, 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 I got it, got it. So I run to the bathroom. I come back. She hands me my coffee. I take a drink, and there's Splenda in it, and I just like lose it. You know, like not like not like I'm punching the walls, you know, screaming at the top of my lungs, but like something, something happened inside of me that I'm that I'm just like, <laughs> it's Splenda. Like why, and I even like kind of said, like why are you like getting so, like why does this bug you so much that, that they're Splenda in your coffee and not Sweet and Low? And it like ruined the entire day. I mean, I went up back up to the apartment. We didn't go on the walk. I sat in silence. I, 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 I was just, so torn up and you know i think it was that night or the next morning my wife looked at me and she's like listen something's got to change like i i mean i'm in this I'm, I'm not saying like i'm gonna leave you um but I, I just need to know like like what am i in for for the rest of our lives because uh that's not really what i signed up for um, I'm not excited about this, and I'm always walking on eggshells. I don't know, like, what's going to set you off, what's going to throw you into a loop, what's going to, like, make you, for two days, just be in a, a, a rut. Um, and and she's saying this, like, sobbing through tears. And and I'm just like, you're right. You're right. And, and yeah, that's not fair to you. And so I called up my, my oldest sister who I <clears throat> remember had kind of telling me that she had struggled with, um, anxiety and OCD. And so I told her what had happened and she goes, she just kind of laughed. She's like, Johnny, that's what my family calls me. Johnny. She's like, Johnny, you, you have it. And I'm like, Really? It's like, yeah, don't you know it runs in the family? And she just like, you know, like in Matthew, where where <laughs> where like they 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 list off the lineage of Jesus, you yeah. know, <laughs> this person, this person, this person, this person. And, and I'm just like, holy cow. Um, and so I made a point with a psychiatrist. He heard what I had to say. You know, I talked about some of the other <laughs> just crazy stuff. And he's like, Oh yeah, you just you have GAD and OCD. GAD is generalized anxiety disorder, and and just so like everyone knows, like like OCD is a f- is a subset, a form, a type of anxiety. So if you have OCD, you have anxiety. You don't necessarily have OCD if you have anxiety, although they um, they do tend to go. I mean, a lot of times they they do go hand in hand. Um, <clears throat> so so yeah, that was kind of that was the light bulb moment uh, that made sense, and and you know, like I say in the book, like that moment in front of the psychiatrist where he tells me that was not a sad moment. It was a moment of, like, jubilation mm-hmm. because, you know, bringing it back around is like, you can't fight what you don't name, you know? And sometimes we refuse to name it, you know? We just want to say, I don't want to be the one that has that, you know? Um, I don't want to be labeled that way, you know? Uh, and so, but you can't, you know, you can't fight. What you don't understand, right? And naming it and knowing what you're going up against, it allows you to fight back. And so that was that, that moment in the psychiatrist's office was that for me. I was like, "Yes, thank you. Now I know what I'm fighting. Now I know what I'm battling. Now I, you know, I can put a name to it, and now I can face it."
1: Yeah, I mean, I, when I first read that, well, that story, uh, <laughs> it's funny because you, you're reading through someone else's stories and the things that you would perseverate on, or. Or like you know, you have a story in there where you there was a bump under your car, and you're like, yeah. you have to drive back and forth and back and forth because you just convinced you ran over somebody. Yep, yep. I've done those types of things. I've had those types of times in my life, and and it's definitely at a different level. But it, it, I think everybody can relate to those things. Mm, mm. Um, but but really, what hit me about that whole area, and you just you hit on it, is um, naming it, labeling that thing, and I, you know, growing up with a, uh, or being trained in the in the in psychology as well as education mm. there was so much talk about not letting the kid know that they are you know they they suffer or or struggle with a b or c because we don't want to label them yeah and so i i saw that i'm like well there's a lot of freedom in this
0: absolutely yes absolutely and i'm glad to hear you say that because i think also too like when i talk about my upbringing i talk about my mom and you know even her reaction to all this is like you know there's a grace i have to extend there knowing that that's that's the way this has been treated or and and that's the way this has been viewed right is you don't talk about it you will get labeled you, um you know my mom even at one point i overheard like you, you know don't get on meds because the insurance companies will label you forever and you'll never be able to get good health insurance well that's like That's like a legit, my mom's in the healthcare business. Like that's a legitimate something that she has witnessed, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, yeah, like, like, yeah, don't, don't label it. Don't, don't, don't let people know this is the way it is, you know? Um, But, but I I just keep coming back to like, if you're fighting like if you're fighting an enemy and you don't know who or what the enemy is, you're never going to be able to fight back. You know, it's like, it's like the whole like, like the revolutionary war like when they started fighting what like in guerrilla war tactics it changed everything right you know because they couldn't see who they were fighting
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i mean I, it's so true I, I remember going through this uh practice where it's kind of like going through all the things that were really kind of making me not reach new limit new new potential you know like behaviors thought patterns things and i had to name it i like mm-hmm. I had to put a name to this person like Here's all the things that all the negative talk that you have, and like name it. I was like, name it. But the thing is, is that name hits me like that. When I think of when I start to kind of go down that road, I'm like Chuck. That's Chuck speaking. Mm. And so I, I kind of re- it was it was really a great way for me to relate to, um, to like yeah, you do have to name your, you know, your battle. You got to yep. name what you're up against. And I, I there was a ton of freedom in reading that.
0: Yeah, and and especially for people who um are people of faith, right? Like it's something that is since the beginning of time, right? Like like the biggest you know, the biggest mandate, the first mandate to man was like name the animals, right? right. Like why okay, uh uh Jacob I- uh, battling on the Jabbok River Right. Like he's like, tell me your name. Right. Like he got a limp for the rest of his life because like he's like wrestling with this angel saying, tell me your name. Right. You know, we inherently just in society, we want to name things. We want to know people's names. What's your name? We want you to give names to our kids, because when we give something a name, we then inherently have this 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 power over over it and so i think it's ingrained in us to want to name something and and when we don't do that we're actually fighting against um uh, what what has been put in place uh since since the beginning of time
1: yeah yeah i, I think th- it's just so uh, yeah it's empowering it's 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 in, it's incredible the power of, of of naming it and just attacking it for what it is yep so you guys started on meds i did
0: proudly and I think that's, an, you know, when we talk about ways that maybe the church has failed, I think that's a big one. Um, it was a, it was definitely in the denomination in the prosperity gospel that I grew up in was frowned upon. You know, don't take meds. That's, that's a sign that you are not having enough faith. You know, if you have enough faith, if you pray hard enough, if you maybe repent about this unrepentant sin that you don't know about, um, then you will be healed. Um, and... And that's um, a load of crap, <laughs> to put it <laughs> frankly. Um, and so I, yeah, I got on meds, and I would say that um, it's uh, so far been one of the best decisions ever. Um, if I'm at an eight normally without meds, with my anxiety and whatnot, brings it probably down to like a four. So, so it's not a magic pill. It's not like I'm never, uh, you know, I don't struggle at all, but it. It, it it takes the edge off enough that it puts me in a position to do all the other things that I know I need to do, right? And, and I will say that maybe some people that struggle with taking medication or, or critics, um, there is a grain of truth to what their concern is based on, which is, you know, it, well, you can't treat it like a magic pill. Well, I agree with you. I agree with you. I don't treat it as a magic pill. I know I have to work out. I know I have to eat better. I know I have to do the spiritual surgery that's required to get to uproot, you know, all the other crap in my life as well. But guess what? If I'm not on my meds, I'm never gonna be able to do all those things. I'm never in a position to eat right to uh be able to work out to you know do the spiritual work I'm, I'm just not in a in a position so it gives me a foundation to be able to do all the other work
1: yeah I wanted to touch on that because I think um, there's this you know this one this easy fix
0: mm-hmm. but
1: it's definitely you talk about that it's this is not an easy fix you got to do the work
0: absolutely yeah you know, you know and, I, and, and I want people to hear that of like a you know, if you're struggling with this, I would recommend you talking to your doctor or psychiatrist, right? Um, but know that you're still going to have to do the work, you know? I have to do the work continually every single day. And um, I, like, that's not, like, medication, I said, like I said, you, anxiety, OCD, depression are, is a physical and a spiritual problem. Um, but I have to address the physical before I can ever address the spiritual. Addressing the physical allows me to address the spiritual. But like you said, yeah, you have to do the work.
1: So what's your, uh, yeah, I. I yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I. you talk about the, you know, the church kind of poo-pooing medication and, and dealing and, and working through that, but quite honestly, being in the fitness world mm. it, that I've been in, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of people in that sector. Like, Hey, like if you get fit, everything's going to be fixed. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think there is, you know, some of that's a marketing message. Like this is, but it, it, it's, I think a lot of these things like medication or well medication definitely fixes a neurological, um, like physical thing. Yeah. I mean, an
0: imbalance the, in your brain yeah, and, yeah. and, and pathways that are, yes, yeah. absolutely.
1: But the, but the big picture is it's like, hey, this is a huge rock. Whatever your work up against, it's a big rock. You gotta get the rock mo- moving. Yeah. And and it's probably the probably the best way to start is meds, because then you're gonna have the willpower, the time, the energy to start exercising. Then you're gonna have yeah. the focus to start watching your nutrition or vice versa. It's just one of those things. Let's get the rock moving.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of look at it as a stool. (laughs) You you know, I even have this like rudimentary picture in the book. That's uh, a, if you like pictures, that's the one picture you're going to get in the book. (laughs) Um, and in fact, uh, a little behind the scenes, like I had like drawn it on my computer when I turned it in, the publisher's like, um, do you know someone else who could <laughs> like do this maybe a little better? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, my sister-in-law is a graphic designer. Let me get her to do it. But I do it as a stool. Like, 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 there's three legs of the stool that support your mental health. And it's a brain, body, and spirit. You need all three of them, right? A three-legged stool with only one stool with only one leg is gonna topple, with only two legs is gonna topple. So um you're yeah, I I think there's always a tendency in whatever environment you're in. <clears throat> you know, it's like mom blogs. Like when we first got <clears throat> when we first got um pregnant, it's like you can find a mom blog that will tell you exactly like what you want to hear. And then you'll find another one who vehemently disagrees and like they all, they all vehemently say that their way of getting your child to sleep through the night is the best way. Right. You know? And so it's like, yeah, if you're, if you tend to be more into fitness, like you're going to hear a lot more from the fitness community saying, well, all you need to do is like, you know, CrossFit a little bit more, you know, do a little more AMRAPs, you know, (laughs) uh, get the GIP going, you know, and, and, and you'll be good, you know? Um, and, and, or more on the nutrition side. Well, yeah, if you just like cut out carbs and if you go only organic, you know, it's all the, it's all the GMO's fault, you know? Um, and so my point would be like, you need all of it. Yeah. It all matters.
1: Yeah. Well, and you can, you can avoid extremes, which can go send you down the wrong path anyway. Like, yeah, yeah. There's a real balance, I believe that's needed. hmm So uh, how long you been on medication now?
0: So that was in 2014. So quick math, it's like seven, seven years. years. Yeah. 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 And, and what I would say is like, um, like I hope one day I don't have to take meds. I do like, uh, I, I hope that I can get off of them. I hope, you know, I'm a person of faith. Like I hope that God miraculously one day heals me so far that doesn't happen. So now what? You know what I mean? Um, one, I have to put in the work and two, like I have to trust that like, whatever he wants me to continue to learn like i haven't got it so maybe i have like a real thick skull <laughs> right or or like or he just knows that like you know what like you know paul talks about in the bible like like i was given this thorn like maybe this is just my thorn like the lord needs me to continue to have it to keep me humble or to keep me whatever you know continually turning towards him and and in that way i've i've learned to um be thankful for it in, in a sense, to say, like, wow, um, I, I, I need to be thankful. Like, this, this has softened me. It has given me a sense of empathy. I'm reading a great book right now on just how, like, <laughs> like some of the greatest leaders, and I actually mentioned the book in my, um, in my book, um, like, have had mental, mental illness and mental health challenges. And, and one of the great byproducts of it is the empathy that you're able to feel for other people who are struggling, not just with mental health, but just in general. Yeah, and and so I think like maybe maybe without my anxiety, I'm a I'm a jerk. I mean, I can be a jerk no matter what, right? But you know, like maybe I'm just you know, I don't know the person I am without this. Um, I, I need to trust someone that is like way worse than the person with it.
1: Yeah, I I I look at it from the outside, having read, having read your book already having a, uh, you know, family, a side of my family that struggled. Uh, I've been on meds for, for anxiety, and um, I'll talk about that in a minute. But I'm like, this is a gift. Like, mm-hmm. if you hadn't experienced this, this book wouldn't come out. And this book hasn't even right. been released yet. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, and, and I have a lot of conversations with a lot of people, and this is exactly, they need to read these words. So, like, for me, it's like, yeah, y- you had to go through this because yeah. this is a gift. This is, this is something yeah. that's going to help other people so i was on i i was on um I, i'm really bad at terminology, but what is it the the blocker so some sort of uh
0: uh s um s something r i
1: yeah yeah s let's just call them SRIs. yeah so I was on s r i s for twelve thirteen years um but i you know i was living in in oregon and oregon's beautiful, but it's not sunny oh my gosh it is gray and dreary nine months of the year the summers are phenomenal there but nine months out of the year, it's there's a one of the twenty eight forms of raining rain happening. Yeah. and with rain comes clouds, and we're talking we're not talking about like the Texas clouds, like we have a, like three days a year in Texas that are like the Oregon days, and I'm like, oh, this is horrible. Yeah. It's gray, like the only color you see is gray, and that's how it is in Wisconsin too. Okay. But when I
0: talk about the six months of winter, yeah, and that's another reason I couldn't live. Oh yeah, it. it's it's just gray.
1: Yeah. And I just found myself, like, just down and anxious, really anxious, snapping at things, like snapping. Mm. I, and, and you talk a little bit about that. But, like, this the Splenda episode is like, okay, I've had a lot of those.
0: By the way, guys, on the way here uh, yesterday, Scott <laughs> promised to bring me coffee with Splenda. <laughs> couldn't so help it, man. This, could, this it. could have been a real interesting there's a, there's, podcast.
1: There's a few things. One, at one point you talk about um, – your sausage fingers and i'm like yeah i'm like uh yeah have you <laughs> yeah. seen the typos in my text i know like, it's fat thumbs there's no way around it and yeah everyone's like
0: you're a writer you shouldn't have that many typos i'm like have you seen my
1: thumbs <laughs> those keyboards like i'm hitting three lum- numbers at the same <laughs> <time>. <laughs> yeah, or th- yeah. three it's letters. it's really just a crapshoot what it, it's gonna it, put it there. is it <laughs> is and the funny thing is is my phone has started auto-correcting like and to snd so if I type and right, it does S and D oh, because that is funny. I hit S and D so many times. That is funny. So um, I, I really related on that. Another one is and I can't let these go because they're, sure. they're just so funny. You talk about your wife being five foot eight. Yeah. So I'm five foot six on a good day, maybe five and a half. That's got five foot, uh, right, five and a like half.
0: Scott, but like I t- we told you, like we had never met in person. Scott walks through my door. I'm like, thank you,
1: Lord. <laughs> Man, <when> I, <laughs> I have a few stories about that. My wife's five foot eight, smoking hot, very, very fit, like complete opposite of me. Yeah. So this one day I have to tell a story. I'm sure I've told it in the podcast like eight times, but it's just the best. I'm walking into, in Northwest we had four Fred Meyer. So I'm walking into Fred Meyer, my favorite store at the time, because you could go there and get anything. And so I'm walking in I'm with my wife and I'm holding her hand and I just start chuckling. And there's this guy probably like 15, 20 feet in front of me and he's. He's there. So he's he's shorter than the woman he's with. His, his wife or woman, I'm like, man, she's good looking. And I'm like, I look at my wife. I'm like, man, he married up. Like literally, she's taller than him. Yeah, he's yeah. not a good looker. Look at her. And then I just started busting up laughing. She's like, what? I'm like, that's me. Yeah, <laughs> that guy's legend. Yeah, <laughs> so I totally related. You're like, yeah, I got this wife. She's 5'8". eight. I'm yep. Like, so it took tall, me- blonde. You know, <laughs> so I'm just like
0: short, stoggy, yep. You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I've I've uh, the the older I've got, the more I've been settled into that, and I'm just.
0: I think people like you and me have never met a BMI index that we like. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like no. the BMI index hates people like us who are short, but like thicker yeah you know like yeah. just like yeah according to the bmi like i should be 175 pounds i was 175 pounds in like sixth grade yeah but i've never been like i'm not obese well right. i mean technically according to the bmi BMI I, will tell you you are I, i'm obese um but like you 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 look at me and you're like oh i like i shouldn't be on like a tlc show or something
1: <laughs> you know what i mean like well i was i was you know in the fitness industry and i'm doing um body fat percentages and i did this test and i'm like. My my body fat was great. It was right where it needed to be. This is when I was in my thirties. I and but if I looked at my weight and my height, I was moderately obese. Yeah, yeah. And like, I'm like, what is wrong? I do have to tell you, I have a torso. I, my my nipple to belly button ratio. My, <laughs> this is my new measurement, by the way. Okay. Is pinky tip to thumb tip? Oh, now like now literally. Like, like if I'm yeah. So nipple oh. to belly button. So I have no torso. Yeah, I'm about I'm about that too. Isn't that, now it, that if you're watching, you can see I'm like yeah, like seriously. It's I can okay. touch both at the same time. So my theory is, especially for like, we have all our internal organs that have to live in a much smaller. Space. That's very true.
0: Although I have one less of them now.
1: <laughs> I wanted to talk about that. That was his perfect segue. Yeah, that, that is actually a
0: perfect segue. <laughs> so I'm like, well, hopefully, I made a little bit more room.
1: <laughs> well, you should be skinnier, man. <laughs> I
0: know. Well, listen, listen. So, um. So we'll get to this. But I donated a kidney. I know. And like when when I was I, w- I was actually literally going into this. I'm like, man, they're gonna take this kidney out, and like I'm gonna like be ten pounds lighter as soon as I do this. And then I realized I like looked up like the 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 size of a kidney. It's like a chicken breast. <laughs> And not like a heart, not one of those Tysons that they're beefing up, you yeah, know, right. like, like it's just like a little like puny chicken breast. And I'm like, That's so disappointing. dang <laughs> it. I thought, I thought, you know, listen, I'm, I'm doing this for all the right reasons, but if I lose 10 pounds because they take a kidney out, you know, like you Double see those bonus. pictures of lungs, you know, lungs are like bigger than you think. Right. Kidneys they're are huge. smaller than you think.
1: That's crazy. I didn't know that. So I'm like doing my Facebook thing and here's John with the, with a post about, like oh uh, I'm giving my kidney and I'm like oh I wonder what relative you know oh does he have a kid that needs a kidney or you know you go that's yeah, the first yeah. thing you go to and and I never I never asked you about it I I didn't really follow it and then this year you did an, like a time hop post and you also had a guy walking and you're like hey this is this is a guy that couldn't walk before I'm like well the guy's black <laughs> <laughs> he, is not, he is not related and I was like. And I'm like, I think he just did this. I'm like, Kim, I think John like gave his kidney just straight up to be an awesome dude. And she's like, Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah,
0: so um I I did don't I donate to a stranger, a guy I'd never met. Um, and so the story goes like this. So my stepdad, um who I mentioned earlier on, yeah. when I was when I was younger, you know, this is preteens. Um, uh, he went into kidney failure, and he um had to be on dialysis for years until he got a kidney transplant from his sister, my aunt, and um. So, I've always had a a gratefulness and a thankfulness for people who are willing to donate, you know, organs. Um, and I've also lived and been on the side of life where you are waiting for one, where you know, you're part of the family that's like, especially kidneys, you know, you go through dialysis and it's three times a week. It's, you know, four hours at a time and it, it literally and figuratively sucks the life out of you. I mean, it, it's, it's like, it takes your blood, your entire blood and filters it, you know? And, um. So about two and a half years ago, my biological father posted on Facebook that he had a friend who needed a kidney. And this one was down in Georgia. And um they needed someone with typo blood, which I have. And without without really thinking about it, oh and and, and in addition, my my niece, um, um, who's three, um was born with a defective heart and had to get a heart transplant as a as a newborn so just just the idea of like transplant and understanding all that has just always been the back in the background of my life and so when i saw this post from my dad it's like the woman um he's an o donor i knew i had o blood and i was just like okay like it was like just click on here fill out the form so I was just, I was at, I was working from an office, you know, back about, you know, back in the, in the old days when people <laughs> used to work in offices and uh, it was like a co-working space actually. And I said, yeah, I'll do that. So I clicked on the form and I filled it out and it was like, oh, thanks. Thanks for submitting to be a kidney donor. We'll let you know. And so like I go home and I get to like the quintessential, like, how's your day at work from my wife? I'm like telling her, I was like, oh, you know, this, 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 this. And I said, oh, yeah, and I signed up to be a kidney donor today. And she looks at me, she's like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, as soon as I said it, I'm like, I probably should have checked with her first, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like that's, that's, I don't recommend signing, signing up to be an organ donor. Like, I mean, on your license, sure. But, but like a living, a living donor, like, Oh, I'm just going to go, you know, give some of my liver or whatever. Um, And so that was some interesting conversations because she had a lot of questions, you know, and, and me like having grown up around a kidney don donation, like it's, it's here's the, what's interesting it's the most common like the most needed um and it's the safest um it is um they they do ton of them you know and so you live a very normal life afterwards and so I knew that and so I was like to me I'm just like I you mean, know, if I'm a if I'm a match like it's, it's great risk right yeah and so um <clears throat> to make a long story longer I then what started going through that process like you know, you go through several rounds of matching, you know, is your blood, is it this, are you healthy, are they healthy, blah, blah, blah. And so I started getting into that process for this woman, my dad's friend. And as it started getting into, like, was, like, they would do, like, what's a tissue, called a tissue match, which basically, like, I go in and I get, like, like, you know, gallons of blood drawn, (laughs) and they test it for everything, and they, they put our bloods together and see if they, like, attack each other, you know. And um, right before I was slated to go in to get that done, that woman called me. and She said, "Hey, uh, so someone else was getting tested ahead of you, and they ended up being a match. So we don't need you." I'm like, "Okay, well, my wife might be, you know, <laughs> relieved." Yeah. Um, right. And she said, "But throughout this process, um, someone at my husband's work reached out to him because they, they had heard about us needing the kidney." and just said hey we're look this was a woman she's like hey I'm, i'm looking and we're looking for a kidney for my husband let us know if you hear of anyone that's willing to donate and so so when she calls me up to tell me that they don't need me she's like do you mind if i pass your information on he's like in mississippi so it's a little little closer and um and i'm like yeah sure absolutely you know, again, didn't, didn't say anything to my wife, but I'm like, hey, you know, it, it's kind of like as a kid, you know, it, it, like, like kids, you know, you're like, Daddy, can I have a treat? Yeah, yeah, you can have a treat. And then like three days later, they're like, they're like what are you doing in the treat box? You told me I could have a treat three days ago. Like, doesn't that still carry over, you know? So that's kind of how I treated it. But um, And so I said, sure. So I, I never met this guy. Like, we kind of, she, she hooked us up on text, and we started texting. And um come to find out he's about sixty something years old and he lives in Mississippi. Um I uh I was especially kind of um drawn to them because they live in they lived or were from the Hattiesburg area, which I'm a big Packers fan, so Brett go. Favre yeah. is, you know, Hattiesburg's finest. So I'm like, well, oh, maybe one day I'll be able to meet Brett. Um <laughs> and uh and so um, we get to start to get to know each other and sure enough, like I start going through the, through the testing and like, I'm a match, which is it, my understanding is how I've read everything in these studies is that it is a little bit more difficult to match with someone who is cross racial. Mm. Um, just because there are, you know, different, whether it's, um, you know, different genetics think things in their gen- in their genetic past right that are passed down um different from us and so um it, but we were still a match wow. so i was like okay god all right and so just kind of kept going with the process and then it like came to a grinding halt and that was because p- his kidney failure was caused by diabetes and um diabetes just wreaks havoc, obviously, on your extremities and everything. And so, long story short, he had to start getting started with his toes. It, it ruins your circulation. Toes amputated, feet amputated, ankles amputated, all the way up to his knees amputated. So that whole process was like a year or so of of him going through all that. And um, and then it, and then then like the transplant clinic calls me up. They're like, "Okay, we're ready." Like give us your BMI, you know? And they're like, and I gave them my BMI, which is already like, you know, a crappy indicator for someone, you know, with my build. And they're like, Ooh, okay. We need you to lose some weight, which I kind of expected, but I didn't expect them to call me up and be like, okay, we're ready. Like I thought they would like, can you give me the three minute warning, you know, the two minute warning, you know, like, Hey, things are looking good. You may want to start, you know, not eating chips. Um, (laughs) And so I had to take about three months to, well, July, August, maybe October, probably four months to get healthy, um, to be able to donate. And so October of 2020, I went to New Orleans and met him for the first time. Wow. And uh, gave him a kidney. And now, like, his life, you know, it's just incredible In in. I was telling someone this the other day, like, I don't talk, I don't tell this story to say, like, John is great, right, I tell this story because, like, I know, like, I'm not great, like, I, like, talk to my wife, she'll be like, yeah, he can be selfish, like, yeah, you know, like, he can, y- y- you know, the anxiety crap, you know, like, um, like, the fact that God uses imperfect people to accomplish his perfect plan is, it blows me away. And so, you know, like, I even just, I like, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get off the sauce for a little bit. You know, like, I'm not, I'm not treating this in the most healthy way recently. You know, it's like, and yet God still uses me. Um, and so that, that's why, that's why I love telling the stories. Like, you as well, um, I know that, like, there are people listening who are like, man, I'm messed up. And I'd be like, yeah, I'm messed up too. And so now he's walking, he's able to, He he wasn't able to walk. He had prosthetics, but with the dialysis, he had no energy to learn how to use them. He couldn't even sleep in, his, for like five years, he didn't sleep in his own bed because of the way the fluid builds up when you're on, when you don't have kidneys. If he was laying down, it, like the fluid just like would pool. So oh he, had man. A, he had to sleep in a recliner chair um, for five years. And now the guy can sleep in his bed and walk. And I'm like, wow.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. It's powerful. It's it's awesome. Um, you you mentioned you know kind of talking with your wife through this, and and how has your how is your your struggles or or your mental I, I guess we call it mental illness. Is it okay to call that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I
0: and I'm I'm a proponent of calling it that because it goes kind of to the call it by its name. Like it loses its stigma the more we right. Like yeah. Right. I have a mental illness. Right. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's it's very freeing. I mean, yeah, you know, it, my mom is very clear, very upfront about like, yeah, yeah I have, I, I have this disorder, and, yeah, and I, it makes some people uncomfortable, but I'm like, hey, like she feels great. She's happy to tell people, you know, most of the time, and um, and so it's good to good to know, <laughs> it's right? Yeah, like yeah, bring it on. But you you, you know, you, marriage is tough. Mm. Raising kids is tough. Mm-hmm. Add a little extra element. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Let, let's talk about you know y- your relationship with your wife before and after, or like a PD and or a, what would, a BD and AD. Yeah, before before, before diagnosis, uh, after yeah, diagnosis. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <clears throat> uh, I, th- wh- wh- I think it's either Wedding Crashers or increment I right Wedding Crashers, where where uh, Vince Vaughn, you know, like Dorothy Mantooth is a saint. Uh, Where he's talking about his mom, like like Brett Seidel is a saint, um, <laughs> and I'm you know like you talk about how like the Lord can bring two personalities. If I'm like an extrovert's extrovert, yeah. like I'm outgoing, I I I formulate my thoughts as they're coming out of my mouth. You know, my wife is the, is the opposite, you know, she's quiet, she's reserved, she's very intentional, you know, where I, whereas I'm sporadic and, and whatnot. Um, and so God brought us together perfectly because she, um, balances me out well, but yeah, she, it's really interesting because especially through this book and, and you know, I, Part of me that like hates this word because I feel like it's been it's it comes across as so churchy and like there's so many connotations to it. But in a way, like she's kind of developed a type of ministry to people who, especially wives, um, who have husbands who are like me, mm-hmm. and she's been able to speak into their lives. And so what she talks about is just like, like it it was it it was tough. You know, before we named what was going on before, you know, before then I was able to fight back, like her life, her life was pretty crappy, you know? And, and there's still like, I have to fight back sometimes some shame associated with oh, absolutely. that. And, and just realize like, Hey, like, let that go. Like there's some, like you didn't know, you know, um, <clears> that doesn't absolve me from like every wrong thing I, I, I did, you know? Um, but, but her life her life changed drastically and dramatically after I got on medication. I think that's something people like like, you know, your decision to fight this doesn't affect just you. Like if you decide like you're 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 not gonna do everything it takes to fight back, like that's not just a you decision. Right. You know, that's a decision that affects your wife and your kids and your sisters and brothers and your mom and your dad you know and so like like don't just like i talk about in the book like how some of these disorders are inherently self-focused and like take the focus off yourself a little bit sometimes you know like i need to be reminded of that yeah um and so she like there are still times scott like this this happened like um two months ago Uh, you know, she, she was the first person to read, uh, the book once it was finished. And once she read it, she had to go back. I say back, she had to go back to counseling. And, um, you know, I remember when she first told me that again, some of the shame. She's like, listen, I, I, I just realized like after reading the book again, I realized I have some unresolved things that I need to work through about how hellish life was. Yeah. Before you started fighting this. Yeah. Before you started fighting back, really. And again, like, at first I'm like, you know, I heard, I heard you resent me. You Mm -hmm. resent me for something I I couldn't really control or didn't know how to control. She's like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying this to shame you. I'm not saying that. But there are things in my life, like, 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 John, you don't, you don't know what it's like to be married to someone with this. I do, you know? And so that's especially, you know, we, we go back to talking about the audience for the book. There, okay. there is a lot of stuff in there for people of loved ones, you know? So, so there is one specific chapter reserved, but really the idea is um, reading this is going to help other people understand what it's like to live with this. And so I think there's, a, there's mutual understandings that take place as you understand yourself better and what you're going through, you, you know, uh, and as that person understands what's going on and, and, and understands it better. Like you be, your relationship can, can grow and and come more into alignment. So, you know, <clears throat> there's one thing that she says in there. She says, listen, <laughs> I remember we were, we were on a walk. This was, this was during, this was during like the height of COVID so, you know, it's like, all you could do is like a walk, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so we're like on yeah. a walk around the neighborhood. We walked a lot during yeah, COVID. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she, she's like, you know, we were getting, I don't know, what there's so many round of edits that the book goes through. So I don't know what round we're on. And, and, and I said, you know, so they're asking me like any other things I want to add. And she goes, she looks at me, she's like, you have to add that the, the, the family members need to go to counseling. Oh, that's good. And she said, even if they think, they have it all figured out and resolved. Like, okay, whatever. You pay, you pay ninety bucks, and just to make sure, like, ninety dollars insurance policy is a pretty cheap insurance policy, you know. And um, and she said because there are so many, uh, like, I realized there are so many unresolved feelings that 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 once you got better, I was just like, okay, things are great, done. Yeah, you know, um, and that wasn't a healthy way to deal with them
1: there's a lot of lot that happens leave in the wake through the years. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Y- I, there's a few things I uh, more that I want to talk about before we, we wrap this up. And um how how is your Well actually let me let me go this direction. In the book you talk about lamenting. Mm. You talk about you talk about a few things that really, really hit a chord for me. And and um, you know, I I told you I was on meds for twelve years. Two years ago, I started getting off of them, but to what you said, I had long conversations with my wife, very intentional, very, very, very long taper off, like a two-year taper off, Mm. a year and a half, like, cause it's so, it's, you know, it changes your system. Mm. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredibly powerful, but, um, mine I was able to do because now I'm in the sun all the time. So I'm Mm. getting, I'm getting the serotonin. It's definitely making a huge difference, Right. Um, in Oregon, that wasn't the case, mm. uh, but communication. I mean, I was with like, hey, I just dropped, you know, X amount of grams. I want, I want all feedback, mm. and it was, it was phenomenal because you would be like, hey, you're getting a little tense. You're really, really sharp. You're really hitting back. So it's it this long journey. So um, it goes the same with walking through, you know, starting your medications and going to counseling and, mm-hmm. and, and having those conversations. Um, I really like what you said about your wife. What she said about like spouses need to go and yeah, and and go through a process as well. Yeah, because it's it can be, it can be a incredibly demanding time in your life. Work being with somebody who has a mental illness.
0: Yeah, and I think. um, I think also the person that is the struggler, the sufferer, like, like, especially, you know, I, I know that when your house is on fire, you, you know, it's like, you got to treat the fire, right? Yep. But once your house is not on fire, then you got to start the remediation process, you That's know? A great analogy. And so <clears throat> that remediation process um, can be long. It can take a lot of form, you know, you got to. Bring in the fans, you gotta, you know, you restore some furniture. Um, and so that was kind of what it was um what it was like for us. Like there was there was a let's 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 get let's get the house to stop burning and then we gotta start the remediation yeah. process.
1: Yeah. I think that's a really important message for for people out there. Yeah. I think even it goes outside of spouses, I think it goes to, you know, mothers, fathers, mm-hmm. uh siblings. So, um, you also mentioned, well, I want to talk lamenting. Like, you you really, you you go back into the Bible and talk a lot about lamenting, but it was really, for me, really freeing. I I just want to give you, um, you know, I want, I want you to understand how important this is. Mm. You talk about it's, it's, it's okay to lament. Yeah. It's like, I got permission to be like, oh, this, this right now sucks. God, why, 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 why are you doing this? Like, wh- what's wrong with you?
0: <laughs> I know. And and it's like, I don't think, you know, it kind of goes to, there's this idea um, also uh, as a current throughout the book of just kind of this proper theology of suffering. Yeah. And again, remember growing up in a prosperity gospel, like we didn't have a proper theology of suffering. In fact, there was no theology of suffering. It was like, <laughs> you suffer, no, no. Like, like, pretend you don't suffer. Right. Because <laughs> if you pretend enough, then the Lord will honor that, you know? And um <clears throat> that's called having faith, apparently. Uh so um l- lamenting is saying is is <laughs> kind of this emotional response to God that says, God, this sucks. Like, why is this happening? And it's letting it's it's letting your emotions out, you know. And I talk about how like like when Jesus died as he's dying on the cross says my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's a lament, yeah. and that's not me saying that. That's like theologically, that's accepted as like the Lord, the Lord was re- lamenting to His Father. Like, so if Jesus, who like knew how the entire story was going to end, right, like knew what the purpose was, knew that like He wasn't going to stay stay in the grave, and yet it's like, God, why, why, you know? And if you look at the Psalms, I think there's there's an important like this important answer to the question of why lament what so why like i'm saying like get pissed at god it's okay to be pissed at god you know like he can handle it right and so like if you look at and 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 i think it's either psalm 13 or psalm 113 i'm drawing a blank right now but i mentioned it in the book and, and laid it out it's not a long psalm i think it's like three or four stanzas and it's like david starts out like god like w- w- where are you why have you why have you left me what what is going on and and by the end again of this short psalm he's like he's like you know but i will praise you like you're amazing you know so he goes from like god where are you this sucks to man god you're so good and and so it's like why is that and and i think the answer is that like in our laments in our cries out to god to say like this sucks this isn't fair why is this happening we we become closer to him. It like forces us to acknowledge that like he is the only one that can make this right. He is the only one that can make sense out of this by crying out. You're acknowledging that someone else is on the other line. Someone else is listening, you know? And, um and so uh, that's why I love like, like I knew there was a book called Lamentations in the Bible, <laughs> but like, I'm like this, the, the word itself lament kind of sounds like old school, like Southern Baptist, you know, it was, jingo or uh uh lingo um and i'm like what what does lament mean and 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 that's what it, what it is it's just crying out to god and saying this isn't right i don't like this help me and in that process of simply just crying out you become closer to god
1: well it, uh my favorite my favorite scene in a movie just because well Forrest Gump has so many great scenes. Yeah, right. I mean, there's so many, but I call it a Lieutenant Dan moment. Yeah. I mean, Lieutenant Dan, there's a storm coming, and that's where he just lets loose on God. He's like, hey, like, you screwed everything up in my life. Come and mm-hmm. take me, you know, bring it, whatever. Yeah. Um, And I, I've had some Lieutenant Dan moments. I think yeah. we all have, if we're yeah. honest. And, yeah. And I don't think we need to be feel ashamed or, or, or like we've done something wrong. What I've done after I started reading that, I've, for the last 2 years I've been doing this what I call extreme gratitude. So mm. I have this practice every single day and I it, it's like a 15 minute process of just for me it's thanking God. It's my that's my the way I I express gratitude. That's all I do. Mm. For 15 minutes. But um I'm always trying to like add you know habit stacking, add the next thing to what I'm doing and I read that. And I'm like, "Man, you know, I, so I do that now. Like I go through my gratitude, but then I'll do my, I call it my lament period. My Your period lament session. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's super short because I'm like I'm so I'm so at that point I'm so overwhelmed with joy. But, um, but there's a lot of freedom in being like you know what, at not everything is perfect. Yes, there's just a ton of freedom there, and I think it's going to help me identify. Uh, you know, in three weeks, four weeks, four years, wow, I used to lament over this thing, and look at. Look at where it is now. Yeah. Look at what's happened in that time. And then we have so much more joy and gratitude because we were able to identify and really be like, hey, this is stupid. This sucks. Right. God, why, why do I have to go through this? This is dumb. Right. I've learned my lesson. Thank you. Yeah. Move on. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, 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 and kind of just to put bow, bow on that, like, I talk about how, like, there's a difference between questioning God and asking God questions. And, like, lamenting is asking God questions. Oh, that's good. And now questioning God is deeper, right? It's like, it's like, like that goes to the heart of like, you know, are you even there? And not, not just like, even that can be like a question, but like, like doubting, like if there is a God, right? Right. And and I think that's more deeper and that's more than a lament. Um, But to me, like asking God questions, fire away, you know, like, fire away. Yeah, God, where are you? Are you there? Like, what's going on? Like, ask questions. Because by asking questions, you're acknowledging that there is someone
1: there. Right. That
0: there is someone who can answer them. Yeah, that's good.
1: Right on, man. So, I, I always end um, these interviews with a few questions. Okay. All right. So, uh, it's funny because before I even started this podcast, I did, I don't know how many interviews, but I picked men that I knew who had raised children who were full, fully grown children mm-hmm. and, um, and who I felt had done a good job. And one of those was Brian, Brian, your, your father-in-law. Yeah. And so I, I, I asked him this, and I called it the Legacy Project, and I didn't release any of the information. I just, like, it was me ga- data gathering, right, just doing a lot of interviews, talking them in. And so it's it's come full circle now. So I ask every man that I interview on the podcast this question. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. Because one of the first guys I asked was Brian. Yeah. Um, but, you know, at this point, I got to ask him in real time. But what I'm asking you is when you are retired and your kids are full grown, what is the – if you were to peek into their lives, peek into the future and see them full grown, what do you see that means you've done – your mm. your your best job as a father.
0: So I'm going to take this a little a little differently. Um I think that there there may be some people that answer this question like like if they're following Jesus like I've done my job. And and I've kind of come to the conclusion of like no, God has done his job. <laughs> right? right? You know, like um um I think sometimes we put it, this immense pressure on ourselves as parents and especially as as fathers that like like I control and and am responsible for my child's salvation and it's like it, it's absolutely a falsehood you know like if I could if I could make anyone you know I can't make anyone follow Jesus right <clears throat> now I want that for them right and I can be an example so um so I think I- initially it's like I I I do want to look back and and I I pray and I beg the Lord that he would draw them to himself and that would be the case Um, I, I think that I do have a responsibility, like there's kind of this, this paradox or this paradigm of like where, like the Lord has invited me into that process. And so I need to do my part as well. But honestly, I would say this, you know, especially because, um, I want them, I want them, if, if they are real and honest about who they are and what they can't do, I think I'll have done my job. And so this is what I mean. It's like, <clears throat> um, I was talking to someone who's, who has a child, my daughter's age. I think she's so like around six. She's like, Oh, so, um, she wants to be a veterinarian when she grows up. She has decided that. And I'm like, she's like, Oh, so what does Annie want to do? And I'm like, I don't know. Like she's one day she six. wants to, be, yeah, one day she wants to be a veter- veterinarian. Like one day she wants to be a, an astronaut like the other day, you know? And so like, there's going to a, come a time where, like, Annie grows up, and I'm like, baby, you, you, you can't be an astronaut. Like, I'm sorry, your math skills suck, you know? <laughs> or, or, like, you know what, you can't be a veterinarian. Like, you don't, you know, you don't, you, that, that requires a certain set of skills that, that you just don't have, and that's okay. And so I want them to be real and honest. Like, if I have taught them and trained them to understand, like, like y- you can't do everything, right and so it kind of ties back into the idea of 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 like why i feel like that's important is because of their salvation right like like when you realize you can't do everything you have to turn to the one who you know can right like when you realize you're messed up you have to turn to the lord and so like So I'm hoping this answers the question, but it's like, I I want them, and hopefully it doesn't sound like a Debbie Downer, but like, I want them to understand they have limitations and they have more limitations. And I think even society tells them, you know, I think we're actually kind of in this, this weird culture of like, you can do and be whatever you want. Yeah. And it's like, that's such crap. Even if it's a,
1: if you're a boy, you can be a girl. (laughs) (laughs) Like, come on. So
0: it's like, it's like, it's like. No, you can't be anything right. you want. You have to recognize your limitations. Don't be defeated by them. It just means like that closed door is an opportunity for this open door. And so I want them. I want to look back and if they are people who understand their limitations, understand their they are weak. You know, one of my favorite. I actually think I mentioned this in the book. One of my favorite sermons of, of all time was like, um, it was this pastor and he's like, you know, I hear people talking about how how religion and faith and Christianity is a crutch for the weak. He's like, and I, and I look at them and I'm like, heck yeah, it is. You just don't realize that your legs are broken, yeah. right? Like we all have broken legs. Like, uh, yes, I need a crutch. I, I, it's definitely a crutch for the weak because we're all weak.
1: We're screwed. We're screwed up. Right. I mean, we all have our things. Right. Absolutely. Right. That's, that's good. And I, it totally, it totally butts in the face of this, you know, my kid can be whatever they want to be. I, we get that in the group guys will be like, well, my, you know, I I tell them they can be whatever they want to be. And there's this real fine balance of breaking down, but also equipping Mm. and equipping means like, there's some reality involved in like, okay, well, if you do want to do that, here's where you're at now. And here's where you need to be. Yeah. Like that's, that's a pretty big castle (laughs) there. yeah. So, Hey, if if that's something you want to do, then it's time to get to work right and and typically it's like oh no thank you <laughs> <It> <laughs> i don't want to be good yeah it's
0: not like i want to be an astronaut okay what are you going to do to achieve that yeah. right yeah. And, and and if you get to a certain point and you haven't put in the work for math guess what you're not going to be an astronaut
1: yeah you yeah. know it's not a magic equation just tell them they can do it and they can it's it's more of uh, equipping them to better understand themselves their skills and what they yeah. need to get where they want to go absolutely so I, I can totally respect that um yeah that's that's cool uh, I don't quite remember what Brian said, um, but it wasn't the same thing. <laughs> 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 Which is good. He's your yeah, father-in-law, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, man, um, talk about the book a little bit. Let's talk through the title. I know it's finding rest. I didn't memorize the rest of it. So yeah,
0: yeah. So it's called finding rest: a survivor's guide to navigating the valleys of anxiety, faith, and life. And, um, and so, I mean, it's been an incredible journey so far. Um, and this isn't a testament to me. It's a testament to the people like you and the people that are listening to this right now. But, um, the, the week it went on pre-order, it went to the number 110 book on all of Amazon. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and it's been number one in, in several categories. Like the one that it was number two to was like to Op- number two to Oprah's book. Um, and so, uh just been blown away by, by, by the response. And, and I think it, I really think it is, is like people are struggling with this on a level that they never were before COVID people are being um, exposed to it. You know, like I said, even if you're, you know, for every person that goes through this, there's, there's one to three loved ones that are now forced to try to understand what this is. Right. Um, So we're seeing this at a level, not before seen. And, and even now, like we're in Texas, right. And it's like, like, you know, um, you think, Oh, I mean, COVID's kind of going away. And then like, you see, uh, you know, this governor and that governor want to bring back mass mandates and and I'm not saying that to be political, but I'm like, just when you think it's kind of gone, like if you thought, you you know, even people who are like, well, okay, okay I had anxiety during COVID it's kind of going away. And it's like, now you turn on the news and it's like, it's, it, it's like PTSD. It's like flashbacks. Right. It's starting to happen again. Yeah. You know? Um, So if if you want, you know, it's in pre-orders right now, which what that means is if you go and order a copy right now, you're not going to get it tomorrow. You'll get it when it comes out. Uh, But the reason that pre-orders, there's a few reasons, like I'll just be like really transparent about why why pre-orders are important. Um, One is for you in that, like, especially with, with Amazon, like, let's say you buy it right now and I think it's on sale for $15.99, right? But like. Amazon always runs sales and stuff like that to try to generate whatever they want to do. So let's say it goes to thirteen ninety nine next week. Like y- you will get it at the thirteen ninety nine Oh, that's price. cool. Did yeah. not know that. Yeah. So when you pre-order a book like that, it kind of locks it, locks in. You will get the cheapest price. So, um, <clears throat> so that's good news for you, and and the good news for us is like if if you are listening to this and you believe in the message of what I'm talking about if you believe that mental health is important, if you have someone in your life, like the more the pre-orders are a signal to everyone out there, to the New York Times, to the Wall Street Journal, to booksellers, to to to, to other publishers and whatnot, that like, oh, this is a topic that is important. Yeah. Because Scott, like, I was rejected by a lot of publishers for this book. Mm-hmm. And now some of them were like, it's not because they didn't understand the importance of the topic, but they were like, you don't have a big enough following, you know? And, and we've gotten to a place in publishing where it's like, if you don't have a million Instagram or, you know, Twitter and Facebook followers combined, like they're like, it doesn't matter how good the book is. Right. And so, um, there was one publisher, I won't bash them, but, but a, a very big Christian publisher who wanted the book, they lost a fight with marketing because marketing's like, you don't have a big enough following. And so when, um, when the book shot up to number 110 on Amazon all, you know, in one week of pre-orders um, uh, there, there was a little sinful side of me that was like, see, <laughs> yeah. take that, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, but it's things like that, that will show um, not just the, the community of this book, you know, that's kind of around this book now, but the wider community can, I mean, can you imagine seeing a book like this on the New York times bestseller list and people being like, Oh Wow okay, yeah, I have been struggling with this. And I think the the reason this is different is for a lot of the reasons that you just said, uh, or th- when you intro it, is like, I don't approach it from a clinical perspective, although right. I talk about science. I don't approach it from a pastoral perspective, although I talk about faith. You know, I'm talking about it from like a, I've been through the fire, and by the way, I still go through the fire at times. You know, like I'm still running through it, and so it, it's it's a unique take on this where the field has generally been dominated by, you know, counselors or PhDs or doctors or pastors. It's like, man, I'm, I'm a regular guy like you that 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 has come, gone through this, and here's what I've learned.
1: And I think that's powerful. I think I think a lot of people will always reach to PhDs or doctors or clinicians, but I, I think there's so much power in this is how the average, the normal person who's walked through and walking through this fire yeah. uh, has has, uh, it's coming from somebody you can relate to. The other, the other thing I I was amazed by, I saw all the rankings and I asked you like, when's the release date? And I was like thinking it's like next week. because <laughs> of the rankings, I'm like the rankings are, it's, people are amped up. It's coming. You're like September 20 something. September 28th. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, so I had sent out a good number of, of texts to people like Sh- with that screenshot i'm like you got to get this book and you're like all right i ordered it when is it coming out i'm like so i texted you and i asked so i was like oh uh, yeah, it's a yeah. <laughs> and i'm already reading it so i'm sorry i'm not sharing yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but i i, I literally because i'm i'm i am engrossed in it um this is how impactful it is. I I'm talking to people about it mm. and they're like, I want a copy. I'm like, no, I'm not. I didn't have that agreement with John, but I'm not sharing. You just need to order it. It's hard. It, <laughs> the book needs to be ready now. It's it is it is very, very, very good. And
0: that's why even like, you know, so since that, like we kind of did that one week experiment of pre-orders, like I've actually backed off. I mean, I'll post about it you know maybe once a week or yeah. so but i'm not hitting it hard like i was that that first week because my even my publisher was like hey just like hit it hard for one week let's see how it does but then you need to back off cuz a you're either going to tire people out or they're going to get annoyed because they want it right away yeah. they can't get it so it's like i've even kind of backed off and man just by you know so here here's the other thing like any any pre-order sales are counted towards week 1 sales so so that's why pre-orders that's cool. are yeah are also important. So if you have you know five six seven ten thousand people order the book, it all hits on week one, and that's how you get on like a bestseller
1: list. That's cool, I did not know that. Yeah,
0: so um, so that's why like I I still am hoping people pre people pre-order the book cause, because you know you're never going to date you know get on the New York Times bestseller list or anything like that if you don't have good pre-orders, and so we pre-orders are an automatic signal that like people care about this people want to talk about this people want to read this yeah so i would ask you know if, if, if you're interested please pre-order um it would mean a lot to me and then you can go to find rest com and it'll tell you everything about um how to buy the book and um how to, how to get it you know maybe if you're you know, if you are a pastor or in the church, there's also for bulk orders where you get, I mean, it's kind of a crazy discount. You get like over 30% off if you buy just just all you have to do is buy like 25. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. so I was a little surprised. I was like, I mean, this is great. You know, I thought it would be like you have to buy 100 to right. get this discount, yeah. but um, just a minimum order of 25 and you get, you know, 30, I think it's 32% and then it keeps going up the more
1: you wow. buy. Wow, wow. Yeah, and I, I actually, I know the book it, and, and I'm very honest and open with people. Hey, look, yeah, I'm I, I'm a Christian. I have a strong faith. Much of my routine, most of my things are rooted in that, yeah. almost everything, actually. Uh, God is first, then my wife, then my kids, and that may not be in alignment with everybody who's listening's order, but I'm, I'm challenging you, even if you're, if you're not a Christian or you struggle with Christianity or you see some hip- hypocrisy or you see something that you, you hate or mm-hmm. dislike, I'm, I'm challenging those people to pick Mm -hmm. it up and read it because i think there's going to even to the non-believer there's a ton of uh, stuff in there that's incredible but i think it'll answer a lot of questions Mm. and and get rid of some of that like why you know churches are evil they're doing this and from a from an insider's point of view i think it's very it's very redeeming and and maybe you know i'm not uh, i think it'll give you some perspective Mm. to, to the reader i think that Yeah,
0: and and listen, I think, as you know, Scott, like, the answers that are in the book are not just have faith, are not, like, if you just turn to God, everything will be great, (laughs) you know, like, no, I mean, there's a whole section about, like, you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but, like, here's all the physical things you need to do, like, even down to, like, you need to be volunteering, you know, like, you need to be uh, taking a shower regularly, you, like, right. like I try to get as practical as possible. Things yeah. that have helped me, um, that that yeah, maybe even if you're not a person of faith, that I think will help you. And then, like you said, hopefully you will at least see at least see and come to understand how a person of faith can battle this, and then uh, and take what you feel like is is helpful for you.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, it's awesome. I I agree. Um, so they can find your book, Finding Rest. It's on Amazon, obviously. Yep uh they should go and pre order right away. Yeah. The uh the they can find you on Facebook, Instagram.
0: Yeah, and even if yeah, if you if you just like if you go to that findrest All the links are there. Everything will be there. Right. Um but I'm on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. But you can that's kind of like the one landing page where you Great. can read reviews. You can uh, actually if you go there now you can read the first two chapters for free. No fair. So, um, yeah, <laughs> they're good. Yeah. You can yeah. read the, the introduction in chapter one for free if you go there now. So, um, and then I'll be announcing just some other offers, especially for those who pre order the book. Um, I'm working with my publisher right now on a study guide. Very so cool. if you want to do it personally or in a group and so by, by, you know, there's a Facebook group and stuff that, that you can have access to and you know, all that good stuff
1: yeah. that we do. Right on. Well, John, it's been, a, it's been a pleasure. I've been looking forward to this, so I'm, I'm glad we got to do this. Thank you so much. I'm
0: so Yeah, we originally were just going to do it over Zoom, and we did it in person and, and rescheduled, and I am so, so glad that we did Yeah,
1: it. me too. I was a little nervous, but I was like, I just got to make this work. I'm so glad I did. So yeah. thanks again for your time. Hey, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks again, John. And you uh, heard from the, his mouth, findrestnow.com, and that's where you can find everything. And, of course, order the book on Amazon. Have a great day.
0: Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, the Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and
1: tune in next time for more podcasts from the Brotherhood of Fatherhood.